This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by the new Quiver distribution film, The Wrath of Becky. That's right. Two years after escaping a savage attack on her own family, Becky is attempting to rebuild her life. But when her new home is broken into by a brutish group calling themselves the Noble Men and they take her beloved dog Diego, she returns to her old ways to protect herself and get revenge. The Austin Chronicle declares the wrath of Becky literally a bloody good time. That's right, The Wrath of Becky, starring Lulu Wilson and Sean William Scott, is now playing in theaters. So check your local listings for times and locations. And now, the body count continues. again from the Doddsville County High School of Surrey, England, United States of America. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And boy, is the film that we're discussing today chock full of quote-unquote characters. Uh, We're talking about the 1986 film Slaughter High a film with three fucking directors for some reason. And we're talking about it in the hopes that uh, t- a 35-year-old teen's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we might make at their expense. As always, there's only one person I trust that if she gets blood all over her face, she'll find the nearest high school bathtub to wash it off. The one, the only. Gina Radcliffe, how are you doing today, Gina? Uh, before we go on, I'd like to offer uh, an apology, a, a mea culpa, mm-hmm. an, underrated, an underrated grand dame on stage and screen, Miss Stockard Channing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stockard, I'm sorry, for many years you were my go-to as, as the most unconvincing high school student mm-hmm. uh, in a movie ever of all time. Uh, I stand corrected. You look great in Greece. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely convincing as a guess a seventeen year old. Uh, yes. Yeah. All you know, I I'm completely I'm completely wrong about it, and and I'm heartily sorry. I know you listen to the show, so yeah. oh, I, I, I wanted, supporter of the pod. I, I wanted to let chain. you know that 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 I I you know, accept my wrongness, and I <laughs> I am laying with my wrongness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you made this bed with, uh, you know, screen and stage legend Stockard Channing. You should now rest in it uh, because we're confronting Slaughter High now, a a film that wants to be a lot of things and simply cannot be any of them. It wants to be an American slasher. Well, you made it in England. It wants to be Friday the 13th, but it forgot to fill it with characters 
Um, and then it wants to have, be a gore fest. And for the second act of this thing, by God, it is. And it just forgets to be that uh, at the opening and the closing. <laughs> it just can't quite seem to it. It is um, it is a wild motion picture. Now, had you have you ever seen Slaughter High prior to me forcing this film upon you? You know, I feel like I must have because I definitely it's another one of those 80s slasher movies that has a very distinctive VHS cover. Yes. Um, yes. But that may actually be the best thing about it. Um, <laughs> so I, I was pretty sure that I had seen this, but mm-hmm. I when watching, I'm like, I don't really remember any of this. It's questionable whether or not it's in fact memorable. I mean, truth be told, Slaughter High is one of those movies I've had in the bullpen since we started and we considered starting to do movies outside of Friday the 13th because Jason was slowly driving us insane and we just needed mini breaks. We just needed something to take us outside of Crystal Lake, if only for a couple of weeks. And this is very much a Friday the 13th clone in that one of the producers is someone who was an original producer on Friday the 13th. It's definitely made with the goal of tapping into that market. And... (laughs) It just forgets to do a lot of the things that make Friday the 13th really interesting to watch. If anyone's like, well, those characters are so interchangeable. I would I would love for you to come over to Slaughter High because this is a movie that takes pains to, to put up characters, uh, high school portraits, which are actually their, 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 uh, their casting shots. And they put it up against the wall with their character names in the hopes that you'll remember these people are in the movie. But when they're not there, I couldn't tell you if they're alive or dead. I immediately have forgotten almost all of their names. <laughs> the only the only one I remember is is Marty because everybody's because his name is said many, many Many, many times. Yes. Uh, you mentioned before we started the show that you took notes. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> my, I have a single note. Uh-huh. Uh, it says two things the British are not good at. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not being transphobic and mm-hmm. slasher movies. Yes. Yes. I, you know, maybe the perfect British slasher movie is escaping my brain right now. But it does not seem to be their strong suit. And there are a lot of things that the English are good at. Going to far-flung corners of the world and stealing their treasures and bringing them back and putting them in the museum and going, hey, look at what we got. I mean, we were just walking out and we found this line on the ground. Do you want to look at it? And when that country says, can I have it back? They're like, (laughs) come on now. We got this fair and square when we invaded you and walked away. So they're very good at that. Uh, as you said, transphobia, A+, plus, really great at it. Seemed to be leading the charge. Way to go. Um, any, you know, any cause in which you and Nazis are in perfect alignment means you're the good guy. Those are the rules. I didn't make them up. And the other thing is that they're great at gothic horror. Now, our lead actress here, Caroline Monroe, got her start and gothic horror movies. And um, and then she kind of hit a horror streak again, a second act of horror movies, starting with Maniac and the last horror movie, things like that. 
And then you come up to this and this is, she is 35 at this point. Now, granted, Carolyn Monroe, a gorgeous lady, but does she look like she's in high school? No. And, and, and yet no she, one and, here does. And yet she and like, and Marty, who is our, our killer, I mean, that's mm-hmm. not, they don't really do much to hide that fact. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are the, the, the most convincing high school students while still being absolutely unconvincing. <laughs> Marty at the, at the very least is a character that has, that their choice is being made by that actor. He is, he is going for Well, his, his choice is, well, remember Bud Court? <laughs> Everybody likes Bud Court, right? Yeah. The Harold and Maude guy. I, I'm going to be like him, only psychotic. Yes. I'm, I'm going to stretch him out. I'm going to make my mouth very wormy. And everything else is just going to fall into place. And then everyone else, it just goes into two camps. Supposed men and supposed women. And I say that because there's no really defining characteristics for any any of these other, you know, what are basically the dead meat of this, the wheat for the chaff. They exist to die. They're complete a-holes. And at a certain point, my note was, is bullying a team sport? <laughs> because none of these people seem to be able to do it on their own. This is like, Bully socialism. Yeah, this this plan they have at the beginning to to you know, humiliate Marty. It takes like twelve people yes. and, like, and like an inordinate amount of like like you know, planning in advance <laughs> to basically you know be able to get a nude picture of him. A, a nude picture of him, and then when that fails, they come up with a completely different, insane plan. To humiliate him again, simply because they weren't able to humiliate him enough in their initial humiliation offering. Uh, It's just, I I truly, this really put into retrospective, and this is not the first time we've had the whole bullying goes awry and we have a reason for a killer movie. Well, that's, Uh, yeah, that's, that's basically, you know, the thrust of terror train. True. And yes. the thrust of prom night, and mm-hmm. and that, that's actually a, a, a well worn uh, uh, trope in slasher movies is is the is the you know the the you know, nerd gets revenge. Yes, and certainly at this point, you know, prom night is eighty. Terror Train is late eighty, if not eighty one. I mean, it's just these movies have happened, and. Why they felt the need for it to happen again this deep into the 80s is truly astounding. It's well, like a it, movie out of time. Well, it also throws you out there because the quality of the film, as far as just like, you know, just production values and, and how it looks. Uh, I mean, I rented it on YouTube. I, I assume you have the Blu-ray? Yes, make- I have a very fancy Blu-ray, but go on. It it. It looks like it was made in 1975. Um, the reason, I mean, everything's dark. It's everything's grainy. The reason why this movie was changed, this title was changed from April Fool's Day to Slaughter High is because it, it, they, they, they found out during film is, oh, 
there's another movie called April Fool's Day. Yes. And I'm, I'm trying to think. Now, I haven't watched April Fool's Day in quite a while. Mm-hmm. But I, I, am, I am picturing in my head. I'm like, are you trying to tell me these fucking movies came out at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in fact, the producers were approached by Paramount because they, they were on parallel tracks. Of course, nobody at Paramount had any idea this movie existed until it showed up at the Cannes Film Festival with the title April Fool's Day. And they're like, y'all, we hate, listen, here are all the marketing materials. Here's our release date. I, I will grant you that neither of us knew about the other, but we will pay you some money to give up this title. And the producers are like, well, how much money? And they said $100,000. And they're like, it's all yours. We don't fucking need it. <laughs> and so they sold out April Fool's Day to Paramount just like for the for pocket change for Paramount Pictures. And as a result, this movie still has all the April Fool's Day elements. But just when you think, well, I know what April Fool's Day is, they introduce the concept, which apparently is true in England, but I, I've never heard this before, that April Fool's Day stops at noon. And then if you pull a plank, prank on somebody after noon, you're the fool. And that's why they're so adamant that Marty's going to stop killing them at noon because he's following these arbitrary fucking <laughs> rules from a place they're not even supposed to is be. Is that in. what that is? Okay. That's what that is. Okay, yes. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I'm just, I, I'm just going to go with it. If this is the advantage of having that Blu-ray was the actual special features to explain the plot mechanics of this motherfucking travesty of a film that I enjoy specifically the second act. But like if you just walked into this thing and they're like, he can't kill us afternoon because that's when April Fool's Day is done. Well, that's not how fucking days work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do think it was funny that they have decided they're just simply going to wait until it's afternoon rather rather than to try to continue escaping from this very large building. Yes, this very large building. There's no possible way one person can, you know, patrol. And yet he seems to be everywhere. Marty's abilities are. I'll let you get away with just about anything until the point I need to kill you. And then you're so fucking stupid. You'll fall into any trap I lay. Uh, How he could possibly know someone would take a bath in the middle of this is, I mean, he's a lot smarter than I gave him credit for. I mean, you know, take a bath and, and not be aware of the concept of getting out of something that is causing you pain. (laughs) This it's might be this hard. might be an all this might be, you know, I said when we did um Deadly Eyes mm-hmm. that that Scatman Crothers, you know, was was the all new all new. Well, I've had a good run, flunk, <laughs> just like, but this gal in 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 this tub filling with acid just uh-huh. gives up so fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she pulls herself up by the curtain, which is more she than... Managed, she, she has the strength to lift her legs up, but the wrong way. Like, yeah. Like, uh, like, she lifts her legs up to to look at them, and then like, puts them back into... proof of concept that I'm an acid. Right, is, is then puts them back down into the acid water. <laughs> if only she could magically levitate from her ass. You know, if, if she farted really hard, and that <laughs> lifted her out of the water... I, Maybe that's what she's going for. 
But yeah, this is this is a, an all new. Yeah, well, there's nothing more I could do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of I I say we don't have to go this through this in order, but that's why I did my fucking notes. So who am I kidding? Of course, we're doing it in some sort of order. So we meet Marty and Carol. Now Marty claims to be a sex machine, but. I'm not entirely sure that the software and the hardware work together on that sex machine. More about that later. Uh, and he's been invited to a quote unquote, have some sex with Carol, who's played by former bond girl, Carol, Carol Monroe, um, Caroline Monroe, excuse me. Um, and listen, like she's been going to this high school for seven years. She's no dummy. Okay. But she is not only not dressed for this part because she looks like she's doing work in her home garden constantly <laughs> in this movie. And she, she might have been before she came before she uh, before she started filming that day. Yes, uh, but it looks like she, she just came off of it. Um, and I here's the other element, and it's a direct uh, you know link to Friday the Thirteenth that the music for this movie is composed by Harry Manfredini. And so my apologies to any time that I've bagged on Harry's music for the Friday the 13th franchise, because this is so much worse, so much worse. <laughs> and then when he gets to a point where someone's being chased by a killer, he just goes right back into Friday the 13th mode. With zero, like, there's no consequences for me to just rip my own ass off. It sounds exactly like part five music to the point where I think he just fucking did part five music. Yeah, I mean, they, they I think one of my issues with this movie is I am unsure at various times if they are trying to make a legitimate slasher movie Mm -hmm. Or if they're trying to, you know, make, do a parody of slasher movies. Ah, uh, yeah. Because, uh, like, you've got this very, like, like, you know, reminiscent of Friday the 13th music. You've got references to Friday the 13th. You've got someone, you know, walking through the hallway say, wow, this is just like Halloween. Which, no, it's not. There are no, no. scenes in Halloween that take place in which Michael Michael Myers is chasing someone inside a high school. There's one scene that takes place in a high school. I just, I think they feel those are clever references, but this would need to have a legit sense of humor. And I think it never really seems to have humor in appropriate places, but it, then it finds it in the most ludicrous of moments, like that bathtub scene where you're like, who decided this was a scary? I, I mean, well, there is, are elements that I love about it, but they're not intentionally funny. They're unintentionally funny. Well, I mean, the thing about the bathtub scene, it, it exists because as you often discover in these movies, they, someone realized, Oh, you know, we're halfway through this. We haven't seen tits yet. <laughs> and you know what? Frankly, they're not very impressive, <laughs> but was the dick impressive? Did you see dick? I, I, I did. And no, no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he did not look like he was ready to go at Caroline Monroe. No, he doesn't. Listen, it, I'm happily married man and everything. But someone's like, you're, you're, you're mainlining Caroline Monroe 
inner prime. Are you ready to go? I'm not like, I don't know. I'm kind of half flaccid. <laughs> and listen, the, the other thing is like, they're shouting at him. Where's the beef? Which is a, a commercial reference that didn't occur until 1984. But this is taking place many years before that. There's a timey wimey when the fuck was this made element to it that it just can't avoid. It can't get out of its own way. I just, the idea that this is a comedy masquerading as a slasher movie is something people say when they realize everyone's laughing at your movie. It's not that you intended it to be funny. It's that oh, yeah. Like, when oh, that happens, uh, I guess this is a comedy. Now. That happens a lot. You know, yes. with all kinds of movies. Like a one one good example is uh, Showgirls. <laughs> it's like ah, I admit you pull a real Pee Wee Herman. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, it's rare for a group of '80s bullies or cool kids to actually know where the AV club equipment is and know how to use it. Like they have a sound person, they have a lighting person. To catch this guy naked in a shower with, what the fuck is that condom? What is going on there with that condom? Well, see, that's what I'm talking about. I, I think that they are trying for some elements of humor and just missing the mark in every way possible. Yeah. Because it looks like something that you would just put over a cow's udder to keep it warm. It doesn't look like something you would put on your fucking penis with the, with the like, oh, this is going to add to her pleasure. It looks like a rooster's comb. Like, that's not how vaginas work. That's not how penises work. That's not how anything works. Um, they, they go through all this rigmarole. To, to get Marty naked in a shower. And then they harass the living fuck out of him. They pick him up wet. They start dunking his head in the toilet. And you're like, well, I hate all of them. So when they die, I this might be the first time we've come around to a group of people who are so heinous that I did kind of enjoy watching them die. Yeah, and there's and, not, none and, of them, there isn't any one of them who, like, it's sort of implied that uh, Caroline or Carol, whatever, her, her character's name is also Carol or something her, like that. Her character's name is Carol, yeah. Yeah, is might be, might have some regret over the situation because she has a nightmare about it. Yeah, yeah, but that's not, that's not really explored in any, in any appreciable way. So, but, you know, you know, as opposed to, you know, most slash movies where you have, you know, a couple of characters who might be assholes, all of them are. And, 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 you know, and none of them are like the voice of reason. None of them are, you know, you know, that was, you know, we shouldn't have done that. That was a terrible thing. Just, you know, nope. Just, just set up for the audience to be like, yeah. Yeah, and they are constantly blaming Marty for the fact that they get into like it's Carrie. But, yeah, but oh, oh, yeah, that them. part is that part is definitely inspired by Carrie, right down to that their for their punishment is having to take extra gym classes. Yeah, they're all Chris Hardigan. Here. Yeah, they're they're all uh, unrepentant assholes um, for sure. Um, but because this was filmed in Surrey, England, England. All of the character, all the all the characters here, um, with Carolyn Monroe kind of on the outside, these are all people plucked from an English acting school. Or they're Americans going to school abroad, and they showed up 
to these people like, are you American? Can you, can you do an American accent? Would you like to be in a movie? And it almost feels like everyone who said yes, got a role because there's these, these are people who many of them you will never see in a movie again. And everyone who hasn't cast them has made the right decision. (laughs) There's a pervasive mid Atlantic accent. Like they're all Catherine Hepburn or they're over enunciating. Like they're a cowboy on a Monty Python sketch. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you also have the extra, you know, added flaw that none of them other than, other than Caroline Monroe are, are pleasant to look at. I mean, this one guy that they're like, I guess he's the head bully. Like oh he, he's got wow. a mug on him. That's just like, I mean, I'm the last person who should be face shaming anyone, but I mean, at least like you in most slasher movies, even the bullies are reasonably good looking. Yeah. 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 There, it's a movie. Everyone's mug is going to be splashed on a screen 40 feet high. You want, you know, I, I hate to be that person. You want some symmetrical elements to a person's face. Yeah, I mean, he's I got like a person look, who does not possess one. Yeah, no, but, I mean, he's got this like brow ridge. Oh. <laughs> it's like, man, who told you to get into acting? Uh, I don't know. If someone looked at him and they're like, I don't know. You could almost be a Travolta, but you came out of the mold press wrong. Like, <laughs> it's. Who is the character in Fear No Evil who developed breasts and then threw himself off a balcony? Yeah, that, yeah he does have, kind of have that look. I, I kept expecting him to speak with like a Vinnie Barbarino, like like exaggerated Brooklyn right. accent. Exactly. Do you know that he's actually American and from Boston? He was born and raised in Boston. And that's how he sounds in his movie. Yeah, like no, someone no, no, who's definitely American like, and from like, Boston. Like, like, I presume this is to be some sort of like typical like small town high school, and like, yeah, nobody sounds like they're they're from the same place. I don't know what kind of accent the 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 gal who ends up in the bathtub is is speaking with, but she <laughs> her line readings are something. No, I stopped writing down the misappropriate, you know, the the odd way they pronounce things about halfway through, because that was all my notes were, were. Like, like when I, she I finds didn't... these, she finds these gloves and she's like, oh, my gloves. I lost my oh. prom night. <laughs> I haven't seen these since prom night. <laughs> where are you from? Where, where are you from? Because you're not from here. Wherever here is, they don't, it's Doddsville. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Chinatown. Forget about it, Jake. It's Doddsville. Like, there's no explanation for the vortex you find yourself in. That being said, because I do have the Blu-ray, and it is such a better version, because usually I will watch these things on my laptop only because I'm taking notes, and it's easier to pause something and run over to... Uh, whatever I'm taking notes on and type there and then go back. But it was so fucking terrible. The copy I was watching. I'm like, no, 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 no. I I have the Blu-ray. It's going to be a pain in the butt, but I'd rather see this fucking movie. And here was the moment I was like, I'm glad I did. So outside of the girl's locker room where, where Marty's being tormented, there's a cork board with various announcements on it. And there's, 
one that reads April Fool's Day. And there's another one that says exam killer, kill or cure. <laughs> See center pages. And center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. You know, like like fucking Dodsville, America, USA. I feel like that was like, you know, possible alternate titles for the movie just stuck on the uh on the cork board. <laughs> I, you know, I'm always hoping for a, you know, no handball in the hallway sort of message. So I always like to spy it, but there's no way I would be able to do it from the crapola versions that are available online. That being said, this was a movie that was notoriously difficult to find for a long time. It, it skipped DVD for a very long time. And the copies that did come out late were in multi-packs that they sold in Walmart. And so finally, Vestron Video, um, which doesn't produce a bunch of stuff, but what it does, it does very well. Uh, they came out with a rather pristine looking version and you can see everything. But also the, the problem with that, Gina, is you can <laughs> see everything. Yeah, I, I think I got the I think I got the better deal in, that, in this. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know how they fit all the fucking half the senior class in the ladies locker room. I don't know why they can't just bully this guy on separate occasions while they, why there's so many plans to do it. But finally a custodian comes by and he looks in the window and he goes, well, this isn't what I'm supposed to see in a ladies locker room. And then I'm thinking, why does the ladies' locker room have a window you can see everything <laughs> through? I mean, maybe that's a maybe that's a thing in jolly old England. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite possible. Um, but he gives the initial impression like my name's Paul and this is between y'all. He ends up actually telling some sort of authority figure, the the coach, who then, you know, comes in and says, All right, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> You cannot torment this kid this way. But then he's like, oh, by the way, kid who was tormented. What are you doing in here in the first place? Who fucking cares? Once someone strips you naked, sops you down and holds your head into a, a toilet, you get a free pass from whatever you were doing before. I'm sorry. That's just that's how it fucking works. Coach. <laughs> that coach, by the way, was originally supposed to be played by Telly Savalas. <laughs> wanted too much money. Could you imagine? I listen, it's my heart's fondest dream. Once I heard that, that this was supposed to be Telly Savalas, I'm retroactively mad they didn't make it Telly Savalas. Because once Paramount pays you a hundred fucking grand, that's your Telly Savalas money. And I could have been watching it for fuck's sake. I want Telly Savalas screaming obscenities at these assholes. It would have been so much more gratifying than what we get. Just imagine you're 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 writing a script and you're like, you know, I, I I'm sure when you've written stuff, you you imagine certain actors, mm -hmm. you know, in playing 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 the roles. It's like, I really want Telly Savalas to play a <laughs> high school coach. I just I I don't want to see the Kojak lollipop but I want it implied that it's there because, you know, he would have worn that hat with a plum. That's oh, sure. Absolutely. Uh, we were denied, but yeah, the coach berates, you know, most of the, 
thousands of people in this. In, in it this appears to be the entire senior class, basically. Yeah. Then they're all like throwing their own like hatred at Marty <laughs> throughout this. Like all of this is Marty's fault. Um, but for whatever reason, Marty seems to roll with this. Like this would have been soul crushing to me if this happened. And he's like, well, I got to go off and study. Like he doesn't, he's like another day, another fucking dollar. I've got one giant cracked lens, but I've got to do this chemistry homework. So fuck all y'all. And then they offer him a joint. He's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing I've learned from personal experience is that if somebody regularly picks on you, don't take shit from them. Like just, you know, they try to offer you something. Assume that it is probably going to end badly for you. Yes. But then Marty does something that I'm like, I've never seen that before. And then another character does this. So this must be some sort of British England way of smoking a joint where you make this like contraption out of your two hands and keep the joint in between two of the fingers and you suck it. Like they, they're making a, 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 an apple bong out of your hands. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a question. Uh, sure. I, um, when I do indulge in, in the devil's lettuce, I only yes. do it in, in edible form and gummies. Sure. Uh, yeah. What would be put into a, a marijuana cigarette that would cause someone to have violent stomach cramps? I don't know, but I'm assuming it's, they have put, it looks like those, those little wrapped explosive gunpowder things that when you throw them on the concrete, they snap. Oh, so these people, so these people are psychopaths then. Oh, complete fucking psychopaths. Um, The screenwriter, who's also one of the directors, and I say one of, because this movie has three fucking directors and it doesn't appear that way at all based on the finished product it doesn't seem like a random django version of a movie uh he's like i went through the private school system people were terrible to one another and someone in the school had offered their enemy a cigarette that had those little jumping jack things in and and it exploded in their face and i thought wouldn't that be great i'm like no no it wouldn't but it, they also don't explain, like, yeah, did they coat the, the, the weed in, I don't know, <laughs> Visine? Isn't, isn't that what they use in, in wedding crashers? Yeah, I feel like that if, you, that, if, that if you managed to swallow it, nothing would happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they managed to, you know, fuck with this joint to the point where he's got to go poop and throw up at the same time. So he's had quite a fucking day. But... I swear to God, the invasion of Normandy has nothing on the planning going into not one, but two giant fucking pranks in the same goddamn day. And so while he's in the bathroom, uh, you know, Barbarino light decides to go into the chemistry room and fuck with the chemicals and pour some white powder into whatever he's making. It's like, 
You need to know something about chemistry to pull off this fucking prank. Isn't the whole point you don't like him because he's a brainiac and you're a cool guy? How does this work? How does this world operate? I don't know. But as soon as Marty's back, he's like, mm, uh, I'm going to continue on like nothing fucking happened. And of course, the entire lab explodes around him to the point where half of his face is burned off. And then everyone's standing in the doorway like, oh, this this prank has gone terribly wrong. And then Marty reaches down and grabs a white hot pipe that's across his lap with his hands and just screams while they all watch. Just like, oh, this isn't good. And they there's a time cut where finally the ambulance people are taking Mar poor Marty away. Half of his face burned off. And Carol, Caroline Monroe is like, I'm I'm very sorry this happened to you. And Marty tries to strangle her to death with his burned hands. Well, I, I'm that part. I'm not sure if that part actually happened or, or, or that's if that if she, if she dreamt that part, because that's the, that's, that's the one scene where it is vaguely suggested that any of these people feel bad about what's happened. Yes. But also there's the second half and then we're going to get into full spoiler territory as we're wont to do. I mean, I already said, I already thought it's a dream, Gina. Well, that's true. That, that is true. Yes. So it like, none of it makes sense. And the reason none of it makes sense is because it is a dream, but they didn't film it to be made as a dream. So we're in a dream within a dream. And I'm not sure which dream takes precedence. Whose dream is in charge of this dream narrative? It's a real, it's a, it, or Marty's? it's a real, it's a real pair dream sitch. <laughs> what is that, that, that uh, sketch in kids in the hall? I had the pair, I had the pair dream again. I had the pair dream again. This feels like the horror version of the pair dream. <laughs> and the pair dream is a horror movie. It's a mini horror movie. In kids in the halls, uh, you know, program, but. This, like, I don't know who's really in charge of the dream. I don't know if I'm going to wake up in the middle of a threesome I can't explain. My mustache disappears. <laughs> or why you have a black eye. <laughs> yeah. We might never know. And, that, and he is dreaming about Slaughter High. So maybe he's in charge. And it's kind of a but, disappointment when you realize, like, oh, none of these people paid for what they did. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a fumble. It's a it's a hard fumble. And I'm not entirely sure why they tack on the dream thing. Other than I feel like they just didn't have enough plot. Like this goes in at a certain point in the third act. You're just chasing Caroline Monroe down hallways endlessly. And you're like, I get it. I get it. This has to be 90 minutes or you won't get paid. But it, it just, it's terrible. And then what the ultimate ending of this should be is that if you establish the rules that he cannot prank you to death after, after 12 PM, have him corner her at 1201 and not kill her and walk away. And you're like, okay, they established a rule and then they uh, abided by it. And they're like, no, 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 no. We got to murder her. But then we don't have an ending. And they dreamt up that bullshit. 
And then it's like fucking the Australian Patrick. <laughs> Have you ever seen us, the Patrick from Australia? I believe so. Yeah. Cause that has a great fucking ending, but then the, the, the middle of it is like, I don't know, a lot of doctors eating rat intestines. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, Carol wakes up and she apparently sleeps inside of a brown velvet spaceship, which I was like, wow, that's a lot for a bed. And then I saw the rest of her fucking apartment, Gina. It looks like disco exploded in her house. She, on top of her TV, she has a fucking gold tootin' uncommon. In her sunken living room, is Barry Gibb hiding under her couch? Every room you go into is weirder than the last one. It's like it's trying to put you into some sort of crazed red devil dust tailspin that made Helen Hunt jump out the window in that ABC after school special. Yeah. She walks to that, that living room. You honestly expect to hear love to love you, baby playing in the background. <laughs> and again, and, and, and again, this is 198. Now I've realized that it was filmed a couple of years earlier, but, but yeah, yeah. if you were to guess when this movie was released, you, you would never, you would never be able to guess. No, it. you would never think that this was released in the year of our Lord, 1986. Like the fact that this was re released after, you know, Revenge, Return of the Jedi is just a bigger piece of science fiction than Return of the Jedi. Every time you go into a different room, you're, you're inundated with crazier and crazier wallpaper. And then she goes into her kitchen and it looks like a fucking friendlies, Gina. <laughs> my, my eyes were bugging out. And then she gets called by her manager. Her manager is Dick Randall. And yes, that pieces poster in the background is not just a clever reference. He produced pieces. Which is, for me, a better movie than this. Yes. Yes, Gina, you're right. Pieces makes... Pieces is like fucking Halloween next to this. At least, at least pieces... At least pieces understands you know it, it's right there in the title it's exactly what you think it is it, yes. it, it, it knows what kind of movie it's trying to be is it mm -hmm. always successful no is it always coherent absolutely not not for one minute but but, but at it, least it's incoherence is coherent like yeah. you, you know not to trust it at a certain point you're like i don't know where this is coming from but it's all so crazy that it's just part of a crazy package so when Kung Fu breaks out in the middle of it. You're like, okay, <laughs> sure. Why not? And when you someone's know, dick gets ripped off that you've seen previous to this, just silhouetted in the fucking moon. Like there's full ass pain. So I know how much is getting ripped out of that guy's package. Like you're like, mm -hmm. makes sense. Makes perfect fucking sense. And, and, and next to this. And you know what? I, I, I found Kendall to be an implausible leading man. Mm -hmm. But he might as well be George Clooney compared to to the the lead guy in this movie. Truly, and the American accents are more convincing, even though I know they're being dubbed well after the fact. So yeah, um, Dick Randall—that's a real person—and <laughs> and I put that in Dick fingers. Um, 
but yeah, he's like trying to get Carol, who's apparently some sort of actress model, to appear in a horror film, which is another thing this could have been. It, this co- all could have been the actual horror movie that he is trying to get her to star in. That would have been another ending to this, but they didn't go in that direction. I don't know if I would be happier or madder about it after the fact. So then we learn through her and her roommate, who's also one of the many bullies, that their high school reunion is this weekend. And she's not going to do this movie. She'd rather go to her fucking high school reunion. And so we cut to Vinnie Barbarino um, driving in a very American VW bug uh, to <laughs> through the English countryside to get to his American high school. And he happens upon another one of the fucking bullies who's just hitchhiking her way there. And she goes, oh, I thought I would have to walk all the way from the 7-Eleven to get there. The 7-Eleven? The fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, this is uh, fucking pastoral. What is yeah, going I, I, I think they, I, I think they really want to establish that this is definitely America. Yes. Another way they attempt to do that is they, int- they keep introducing semi-American stereotypes portrayed by people who don't understand them. So Nancy is kind of a hippie, but doesn't really give off that vibe. She just has long hair and flowy dresses. And then there's the people who come to rescue them, Stella and Joe. Stella in particular is dressed like she's auditioning for an unregistered regional version of Hairspray and is the person designating the cast to talk like this. For some reason. Yeah, she's like, for what, my kid was into the Octonauts when he was two and all the fish in the Octonauts either talked in Cockney or Brooklyn accents. She sounds like an Octonauts fish. It's just... (laughs) doesn't make any fucking sense for her to talk like this. And Joe is the only one of the bullies who even approaches someone who you might go, that's a good person only because he has a developed character. He's the mechanic guy. He fixes things and that's his personality (laughs) and that's it. But Joe is a character is someone who is really trying to be in the glass menagerie, but has learned English phonetically. <laughs> I, I am amazed that you remember any of the names of these characters because there are so many, I couldn't figure out who Joe was. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm I wrote looking- down the word, the name Joe with originally with three X's because I couldn't decide if he was Ted or Carl or Frank. I didn't. Who are these people? We're a character horror show. And none of these people have characters. They just. Joe is guy who fixes things. I couldn't tell you what Ted is. I, A human. Maybe. But there's no real proof of that. Other than the fact that. When he's photographed. You know light doesn't go through his body. There, I guess he's a real person. 
but there's no defining characteristics to who he is in this movie at all. I mean, I do think it's funny that that it's their high school reunion. It's 10 years, so they're supposed to be 27, 28, and they're still yes. not convincing. No, they don't look like convincing 27-year-olds either. And the weird thing is many of them are younger than 27. But I think this is photographed with such a layer of Euro sleaze that it they just don't look like real people. They look like caricatures who are granted the gift of life by the Blue Fairy. <laughs> um, if you were invited to a high school reunion and only eight people showed up, would you stick around? No, I, I, no. I am not that, that particularly nostalgic about my high school experience. And then yeah, I, I would never been invited to my high school reunion. I would, I would, I would assume I would be looking up in the Raptors for like a, a dripping bucket <laughs> of something or other. Uh, yeah. I, I just, there's, I have no romance for my high school and my high school has completely forgotten about me. I don't think there's any institution that genuinely remembers me with fondness. That's, that's my guess, right? It's a, it's a good thing. I own a business with my wife because I don't think anyone else would think back on me and go, Oh, it was great when he was around. I don't think that exists. I'm not being just, I, there's no proof of this whatsoever outside of maybe some friends at universal theme parks. I, I think that might be the only exception. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's the idea of a high school reunion now seems just so foreign with, with Facebook and all anyway, that like, yeah, like I know when my, um, my high school had in my high school class had their 25th reunion and just like somebody's like oh good planning 25 i'm like why <laughs> i already know what you all look like and that's the only thing anybody cares about yeah uh i i don't i don't understand the appeal but then again i've never been given the opportunity like it's this is as big of a science fiction concept as anything else but if I were invited and only eight people showed up, I'd be like, yeah, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah, they're, they're, they are, they are, they are, the, the whole school is locked up. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones there. They are mildly put out by this. <laughs> they, they, they think it's dumb, but they, none of them really make a hardcore play to leave. Like Carol's like, I think I might go. And then miraculously a door opens for them. And then out of nowhere, Frank arrives. And I only know this because everyone is really kind of shitty to Frank from the moment he arrives until the moment he dies. It's just like he drives up on him and he disembarks from a moving motorcycle. And I'll be honest with you, Gina. I've seen Muppets arrive to an event with more class and dignity than Frank did. <laughs> and then one of the characters is like, Joe, I do declare I am freezing my boot off. What? That's not English. You're, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable in each syllable that you're hitting. It, oh, my God. And then they get into this place and Frank or Joe or Jimmy or Frank Bob 
or Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I don't know what their fucking names are. He pops up with a flashlight under his chin and he's wearing the Friday the 13th part five poster art hockey mask. And is that where this comes from? Like someone's like, we have a new looking hockey mask. It's over here in England. And mm. someone's like, I got to put that on a fucking poster. That looks amazing. Let's put a laser in those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and again, the, uh, again, these characters are supposed to be 28 and, and we're still doing the, the, the boom <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. They eventually like they go searching from room to room to room. And this is where we find that there's, a bed in a wood paneled room. <laughs> like why do they need a bed there? Did, did Marty set that up? Is that the custodians, the caretakers bed? There's, there's a, we're never told. There's a bed. There's a bathtub in another room, like a full bathtub. Yeah. Remember everyone's high school bathtub where you all would take a bath um, <laughs> on a dare. Can you think of a worse place to take a bath than your motherfucking high school? I I never once got completely naked in my high school. <laughs> like I I mean I would do like that whole like if I had to change for gym I would do the whole like you know I I you would know, only change one garment at a time. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing like in school where like in like high school movies where everybody's just ass naked and just <laughs> chatting and throwing towels at each other and all mm-hmm. and like that no no <laughs> everybody is very self-conscious about their bodies in high school and and yeah. do not want to either be looked at or be caught looking at other people which i don't know which one of those is worse they're both pretty bad but and the other thing is like the reason they chose this location is because it was it was condemned and it was about to be mowed down this this location Weirdly enough, used to be an insane asylum. Uh, not my words, theirs. And Caroline Monroe had been at this location for one other filming uh, gig that she had. Can you guess what it is, Gina? I don't know. Goody to goody to goody to. It's a fucking Adamant location where they did goody to. Is that right? I yes. Should, I should have known that. I love that song. If you watch these things back to back, you will actually recognize locations. I mean, they look entirely different because they've destroyed this place in order to make it look run down. And then it looks they've glammed it up to make it look like a rich person's mansion for goody two shoes. But yeah, Caroline Monroe has been, you know, in two iconic pieces of art that have taken place in the same former insane asylum. Uh Speaking of asylums, uh, Barbarino gives us a long monologue about what happened to Marty. (laughs) One particular phrase he used is, his mind would never be fit for human company again. Really? You're telling me AI can make this shit happen? No, you got to write this down and then never touch it again. This is perfect first draft writing, everybody. And if we let computers do this, it's never going to be this good. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's basically, you know, again, nothing that happens in this movie except 
maybe like one or two of the kills is is original everything like this is this is the the you know legend has it that he's still out there that that's that's you know a take on that it's just instead of around a campfire they're in a decaying high school yes they're just drinking paps blue ribbon around a you know plastic table uh with cuban sandwiches (laughs) They're trying so hard to hide most of the labels of the beer because they're undoubtedly very English brands. But they got their hands on one sixer of Pabst Blue Ribbon and they're like, don't open them because we're going to need to use them again and again and again. But the I just don't think I would spend a bunch of time in, in that high school if that's the condition I find it in. Because everywhere you look, and they look everywhere, Looks like Freddy Krueger's nightmare. Not a nightmare Freddy Krueger would appear in. The bad dreams he has. <laughs> and the funny thing is, this building has supposedly has a caretaker. Yes. Yes. His name is Digby. Uh, he's the former janitor who did not want to get involved in the bullying incident. So he minds his own business, but also alerted an authority figure. So, of course... He is played with the utmost care and racial sensitivity. And of course he's killed first because we haven't learned anything. This is 1986, but in Europe, uh, the black guy dies first we're still has ki- not gone out of style. We're still killing the, 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 the only black character first. <laughs> the only one. No one else has, there's the vaguest of, of rate. Like this is I, the DEI when it comes to slaughter high is not at its best. Uh, Shirley is, I, I don't, obviously she's not Caucasian a hundred percent, but Shirley's just so out to lunch in terms of the things that comes out of her mouth. I'm not sure what her backstory is, but Digby, he seems like a, a swell fella. And they're like, he's like, you can't be here. This is shut down. And they're like, well, it's our high school reunion. He's like, okay, Give me a beer and I'll let it happen. Yeah, he, so, he, he really flatters them by saying, hey, what are you kids doing here? <laughs> you kids. And Barbarine, no, it's like, you remember me, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> no members for me. You are a blank fucking slate. I'm sorry to, to be the I first mean, I person. I remember that puss, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you seem like an asshole and you'd think that would be memorable, but this high school has turned out many an asshole. So I'm sorry. You do nothing. Yeah, there's been some real legendary dickwads walking through these halls. (laughs) And so he barely gets a sip of that Michelob before the Joker, which is really just Marty. But I wrote down the Joker because I couldn't remember who the actual villain of this thing was. Um Picks him up by the throat, which, again, takes a lot of Voorhees-level forearm strength and slams the back of his head into this door with a nail hanging out of it. So he's reverse impaled onto this door and then crucifies him? Like, this this man did nothing wrong. Why are we killing this guy? Yeah, I mean, and again, it, it immediately disavows the idea this is a revenge plot. Yes, he's just... Killing people is what it comes down to. Sure, the vast majority of the people deserve to get killed. 
Um, and if it had it within my power, they would have been killed a second time just for funzos. But Digby, innocent. He has done nothing wrong. He does not deserves this fate, and he certainly doesn't deserve to be the first person to die. Gina, can you explain to me why Ted, and if you can remember who that is, no. there's an extra 10 bucks in it no. for you. No, no. Why can Ted shotgun a beer better than Frank? Why is Frank, quote unquote, past it? I, <laughs> I don't know. The thing is, if you have no idea, you haven't seen this movie, and you're just listening because you like to hear us yank, and you're thinking, boy, I wish I knew the difference between those two people. There is no difference between those two no. people. No, there are, there, are there are four male characters and the only way you could tell one of them apart from the other is that he's very ugly. The other, yeah. the other, the other, and that is the lead guy. He's the one you have to look at the most, which is, which he, is. He's the most prominent face. Yeah. He's the worst face they could find out of all the male faces. And then one guy is kind of blonde. One guy's kind of blonde. One guy's got kind of a weird sort of almost like 1950s kind of pompadour thing going on. Mm, yeah. And then there's, yeah, and then there's the other guy. Yes. Joe and Frank are essentially out of the same mold press, but they, 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 they ran out of uh, filling for one of them. Uh, it, it makes no particular difference why, but Ted shotguns this beer and he's like, oof. And he looks down at his tum tum. He's like, oh, that doesn't look good. And then his stomach fucking explodes it's it not, turns into silly putty and explodes like his guts start falling out it's like uh, once again like you know what did they put in that joint what did they put in this beer like well, i mean i guess it's supposed i mean according to the wikipedia page it's supposed yeah. to be acid which 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 again i'm pretty sure you would you would notice that like in your throat yeah, yeah before you would hitching. notice that on the way down. Right. You wouldn't get all the way to your intestines but, before but, you're but like. But like he like, hmm. he like you, like he disembowels it, like his guts disembowel themselves. His guts decide we've had enough. And they try to make a very deliberate escape through his belly button. And it does not go well. And it explodes all over everyone. And... This is when Shirley gets blood on her face and make and tries to find the high school bathtub, and everyone else runs in a different direction. Yeah, that, yeah. Her, 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 you know, her immediate thought is, "I have to clean myself." Mm -hmm. Not like, "How did that happen?" Or, "I got to get out of here." Or she's like, "Nope, got to strip nope. down." And yeah, get in a bathtub. Even though I've only been splashed with blood in my face, I've got to get completely naked and get into. A high school bathtub and what looks to be something that should have been destroyed while they were going to school there. Yes. Uh, the rest of the crew, they head in a different direction. They discover that they're locked in. And when Nancy, the semi-hippie girl, goes to grab the metal bars, she's electrocuted. Um, but another one of the guys is able to wiggle out uh, underneath. He kicks the metal grate enough with his rubber shoes so that he can slip past it. And Carol gives him the keys to her Beamer. And he's like, aha, I'll drive away and I'll get the authorities. But wouldn't you know it, 
the car has trouble starting, and then he notices in the rearview mirror, it's Marty in his Joker mask, and Marty stabs him through the driver's seat with a sword, I guess. <laughs> and yes, that's right, baby. We gotta get we got ourselves a get bunked. It's a get and that's when it, it, I knew we had to talk about this. It's movie. a get bunked, but I feel like it's a wasted get bunked. <laughs> no, it's no, I'm gonna argue with you about this because what happens after that is so impossible a set of circumstances that it defies logic and my very concept of reality. Because Marty is able to somehow sneak Carl's dead body out of the front seat of that car without any lights turning on, pose him by a wrought iron fence by stabbing his back and arms through the sharp parts of that, of that wrought iron, then do a, a dipsy doodle in the beamer to go back and shine the headlights on Carl. And then Carl the actor playing Carl continues to breathe and move while he's dead. And I'm like, yeah, this, this was all worth it for me to get to that point. I love it when corpses move and breathe. It's one of my favorite things. And then, and then at some point while doing this, he also manages to, to change the plumbing to, 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 to pump acid into the pipe that is filling the bathtub that, that, uh, that Sylvia, Shirley, was it? That, that, yeah. that, that Shirley is, is luxuriating in. The very idea that he figured at some point, one of these dumb motherfuckers is going to take a bath at their old high <laughs> at school. At their old high school. <laughs> you know, what we all plan to do when we go back for a high school reunion, get one last bath in. Just get nude and take a soak. So she, I don't know if he had enough hot water so that it initially starts off as a hot water bath or she only uses cold water. I don't understand. The math is not mathing. Like, like just, she's, just, she's just filling the tub and then like, you know, you know, doo-doo water comes out and like she, she like, you know, starts like, she, you know, takes a very long time to react to this. Yeah, and, and then her reacting is you know wanly calling out help, and then <laughs> collapsing into the water and letting it dissolve her body. Which we do, we do get a nice stop motion effect. I I, oh. I appreciate that. When you get stop motion skeleton face, you know you're in for a good time. And the crazy thing is, her her head never goes under the water. I don't know what part of the acid bath she's getting on her head to dissolve the face that fast. But it leaves you with a skeleton head in stop motion. And then when they find the body, it's made even better because she's completely a blood skeleton at that point. <laughs> with the skeleton still screaming in the classic Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and you're like, this film suddenly got good. Th this is the movie that you want this to be. Yeah, you, yeah is, folks, it, it don't get better than this, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I would just, I, again, I this is not a I'm trying to prove Gina wrong podcast. But I believe there is a segment that happens after this that is the that really rises to the very top of my enjoyment of the film. And then the third act happens and I think I have like three sentences written. <laughs> it. 
Because <laughs> for whatever reason, after this, Joe has found a tractor. It's a riding mower, but they keep referring to it as a tractor. They're going to try to fix up so they can drive through the barn doors. A regular, again, once again, Friday the 13th, part fiving this. And Joe's like, give me an hour and I'll figure it out. And so they all wander away while Joe fixes this up. And of course, Joe's wife, Shirley, takes this opportunity to go, listen, I've seen several people die in horrendous ways. I just found a friend of mine boiled down to an acid skeleton. I've seen someone's guts explode, but I need someone up in my guts. You know what I mean? It's time to cuck my husband in real time with Frank, a guy who can't get off his own motorcycle and apparently is so past it, he can't shotgun a beer. Well, see, again, this this comes back to, is this occasionally trying to parody slasher movies? Because you have a character getting naked, you know, mm-hmm. in, in a situation that does not call for getting for stopping what you're doing to get naked. And then you have other characters who decide, well, this is the time to go off and have sex, which, which, which is a trope in slasher movies. It, you, yeah. How much of this is self-aware? I don't know, but no one after the fact has admitted to the fact that this has any level of irony to it. So I just think they thought this was what a slasher. But they're movie just checking. Was. They're just checking off boxes. Then yes. They're looking at what's there, and they're like, this has to be a part of it. But they never saw student bodies, so they're completely unaware oh my God. of how, what the parody of this is. So I, I just don't believe and it. And that's the parody. point. It, just came out, it came out so late in the game that yeah. you, you, you can't help but think, you know, you know wow, this is like, like you know, yeah, no, like student bodies. I was going to say, it's like the top secret of slasher movies, but that, but that already happened. It was student bodies. The other thing that I think we should watch, and maybe this is not a main feat because this is even harder to watch than Slaughter High, is National Lampoon's Clinic. Oh, my God. You know what? I watched that much too many times as a, as a, as a teenager, probably because it was always seen to be on because it was one of those like cable cheapies. That they mm-hmm. you know, got as part of a package deal, you know they, mm-hmm. that you know we will you know, you will show ET and then twenty movies like this, <laughs> you know all I remember is that Anthony Kiedis's dad is in it, <laughs> and Garrett Graham, because, Garrett because Graham he went through a phase where he would just be in anything. He needed work. He has a family, I assume, or at least you know he's taking care of somebody, or he just needed rent. Or but drugs. He, I mean, I'm not judging. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. he was in a lot of 80s garbaggio. Absolutely. And so that's all I remember of it, too. But it just does. I have the Blu-ray. So I, I think that's a stay tuned for the Patreon, because I, I feel like we have to understand the parody elements just to see if this has anything in common with him beyond all the tropes. I mean, I'm pretty because sure there was a, I, I'm pretty sure that the, that, you know, it was a, you know, you know, bully nerd comes back for revenge thing. I, I think it was pretty close to hundred percent. what happens. A hundred percent. But I, I, and we won't know until we rewatch it, but I, I just feel like that might have some clues 
Pandemonium is another. Oh man, I, now now you're really digging deep. I had that's another one I haven't seen since I was a kid. I mean, these are movies that when they were announced, I'm like, I should own that because eventually we're going to want to figure out what that is. We've done the best. It's never going to get better than student bodies in terms of a real eighties parody of slasher movies. But I do think it is worth it to, to examine where those other ones just go off the rails or they, they just don't reach as high or maybe they do. And I'm not giving them any credit for it. Anyways, Susie Carroll's roommate uh, arrives in the world's largest car. She goes there in the hallway where all the light bulbs seem to turn on and off in a very Freddy Krueger-esque sequence. And then Marty has produced a a life-size portrait of himself at the end of one of these hallways and reaches his hands through the photo and fade to black. It's a, she just dies of editing at that point. Yeah, it was not important enough to show, to show her die. No, it's it, it's one of those things I thought just existed in the trailer. I didn't know it actually happened in the movie. Um, so yeah, Joe jo saw a trailer and a tractor rather uh, a riding mower. He's going to fix it up. Barbarino is like, hey. You tell me when this is ready to go, because I can't wait to leave this school of death. Uh, you send up a warning, a loud and clear. And you're like, are you t- attempting an Italian thing there? Are you, is he a plumber? Is he in the lizard kingdom is, with is, pipes? I was going to say, is he a Mario? I think he might be a secret Mario. He is the worst Mario brother. That, that's for damn Yeah, he's a Mario brother they don't talk about. You know, and for good fucking reason. After you've seen so many acid-eaten bodies, it's time to fuck. So Stella seduces Frank by telling him that the child that she and Joe have is actually Frank's. And she gives him a specific time and place where it was conceived. <laughs> I mean, I guess and it's he's like, oh, I guess we have to fuck now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the, the math is not mathing in terms of making this make sense. Again, maybe it's the dream logic. I I don't really know. Joe, meanwhile, is, has propped up this riding lawnmower with this jack and Marty comes in, removes the jack. Joe tries to keep up the the mower off of his body by holding it up by its axle uh, and Marty cuts his forearms to the point he can't hold it up anymore and then it just mows through his lower body <laughs> in a torrent of very unconvincing blood. Yes. Come on. This is all happening in the middle of the movie, everyone. Yeah. It's, we are like in the 45 minute to 55 minute range here where all of this takes place. Frank, meanwhile, is impotent. So Stella has a plan. Call him gay. And the thing is, Gina, it works. So (laughs) Somebody saw looking for Mr. Goodbar. (laughs) 
I I would say stay tuned for looking for Mr. Goodbar, but A, it's very hard to find. It is, and B, it's depressing as fuck. It's, it's the bleakest movie ever made. I, I, I just feel like both of us will take up cigarette smoking immediately after watching it. It doesn't make it look good because it's the only satisfying thing in the entire movie because everyone is living lives, which you would, you would, you figure like death is the best way out for them. Um, but yeah, Frank's convinced into having sex. He gets hard by being insulted and then they're having, it suddenly goes from bad sex to, all right, that's starting to get really, really good. Then the camera pans over. It turns out that Marty has, connected the bed frame to an electrical panel. And just as Stella's about to get off, she gets off all right, off of planet Earth. When <laughs> and, not a, and not a minute too soon. And this is the moment I think is that this, it is the explosive crescendo to Slaughter High. If you turned it off after this, you wouldn't, you'd miss one great thing. But you wouldn't miss anything else that's great because seeing this woman stick her tongue out, have a, an explosive electronic orgasm, it, it's it's the best this movie will get. <laughs> I, I will say in the, there's a couple of great moments uh, of very creative uh, Foley work. But yeah, uh-huh. this, is, this is probably like the peak moment. <laughs> and I assume Frank dies as well. He kind of rolls off he's he has that that deadly eyes exit he's <laughs> just like what oh well okay listen i've died by electrocution through my penis and it just affects me faster than it does stella but i also think he needs to roll off of her so that she can have an extended period of time where she's just topless i think that's the reason why it happens but we never see frank beyond this except for his force ghost later on <laughs> it is after this that we are introduced to the concept that April Fool's Day ends at noon. Of course. You know, like we all know, Barbary knows, like, he's stuck to the rules so far. He has? What? He is stuck to rules so far? That is a news fucking flash to me. Um, And then Skippy says, listen, all we have to do is stay awake until noon tomorrow and then we're in the clear time cut he's asleep (laughs) they're all asleep Uh, and no repercussions are they just got to sleep for fun so i assume marty has also gone to sleep during this period of time or he just wants them awake or he likes a time challenge i don't know what it is he grabs skippy and he tries to hang him and this is where we learn that marty He's not an Eagle Scout because he's got a bad knot game. Yes. Um, Skippy falls to the ground. We will not see Skippy again for a little while. Don't worry about it. Um, Then we have an extended chase of both Nancy and Carol blaming one another for the predicament they found one another in. And... Nancy finally figures out a way to get outside the school. And then the entire photography scheme of this movie changes. I, I, I have to, it, I, I, I want to stop you for a second. Um, sure. Does anybody at any point in this motion picture 
think to attempt to see if any telephones work. No, 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 no. This is a high school that has built-in ladies' locker rooms with windows and a bathtub. And a bed. But no phones. But, that, but, that but no phones that might be working somewhere. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And that could have easily been answered by someone picking up a fucking phone in the office. And it's like, it's, it's like they don't even try. Like, like they, they, no. they, they, they go through periods where they, they come up with an idea and then they're like, well, all right, I guess we'll just sit and wait. <laughs> Until they don't want to wait. You know, and they, don't, they like also Nancy's don't like, they fuck also... this noise. I'm finally getting out of here. And then she wandered. Like, I don't know how Marty's able to corral her into a hole in the ground, but that's what he does. He just looks at her a certain way and she's like, I can't help it. I've got to fall into this. Is that a shitter? Is that a fucking coal shale pit? What is that with a steam pipe built into it? What is inside of there, Gina? <laughs> that's like what that was where the bad kids went. That, I guess that's so. where that's that's where the kids had you know went after they would draw that 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 like that S uh huh. The, the Suzuki S. Yes, on their, or they were like on their trapper keeper. Or they were like carb yeah. slayer. <laughs> Same right. laughs they, as you eternally wear rot. a heavy metal T-shirt to school when they're not allowed to. Exactly. <laughs> and you just you drown in a shale pit. And then when we see her later, she's not covered in whatever the fuck is in that. Like, did Marnie hole her out of there? Did he use a hook? How the fuck did he get that body out of there? How did she die? We're never told. Yeah, another thing that, that they gave that they either did not think of or, or simply didn't think was worth trying was was they did not attempt to look for the groundskeeper. No. Carol eventually runs into him in that sort of Friday the thirteenth. Now we see where he's placed all the bodies. Right, sequence. but before that, nobody nobody thinks to say, Hey, you know, isn't there a caretaker here? Right. At least two know. of them know there's someone else there. Yeah. But like no one actually says, hey, let's go find that guy. Maybe he can help. No. No. Um, so basically the rest of it is an extended oh, it, chase. Yeah, capital make E you, extended. Oh my God. Like again, like as someone is off stage going stretch throughout this, and it just goes nowhere. We run into a blood toilet for some reason. Like, yeah, he sets up there, he sets up a blood toilet. <laughs> She flushes the toilet and is like, oh, there's blood. And she's like, no. And like, how the fuck? He rigged the fucking blood toilet? For what? For why? What do you get out of the blood toilet? Is there a ghoulie in there? We never find out. I, I do she, think I do think that she um, she accidentally kills Skip. Is, is, that, yes. is that the ugly guy? Yeah, uh, that's the one highlight here. Yeah, she, is that it's mostly because, she murders somebody it, unintentionally, it, it's, and you're like, "I'm, you know what? I'm happy." Yeah, well, this I, is I, what it, I want. It's amusing to me because the sound effect for her putting this axe in his face sounds like someone's taking a bite out of a out of a red delicious apple. <laughs> and that might be the sound effect for her. To be honest with you, it would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Um, he finds a javelin at some point and starts poking at her through curtains. It's just the other thing that right before that hatchet to the face of Skippy is that there's this thing where she's hiding from him on the other side of a wall and there's an open doorway. And then he comes around, he, he looks fast and you hear this like wind chime that's supposed to be the little jingle bells on the end of his Joker mask. 
doesn't that kind of put you at a disadvantage in the ninja department? Yeah, no one, no one hears him. Sneak up on somebody sounding like a fucking wind chime. No one hears him coming. Nothing. (laughs) No. No. So they're just running after one another down hallways. And Carol's, you know, at least has one murder on her hands. So she doesn't mind doing another one. So eventually Marty attacks her and she fucking hikimbos this dude through a window defenestration down from the, from, from a one floor down onto the other. And he fucking recovers like good for him. He takes off the mask. Marty's the Joker. Like surprise that everyone saw coming. He's got one missing eye. He's kind of half skeletony. Um, and then he, they corners her in the women's locker room and you think, okay, this is when she turns the tables. This is when there's some sort of reversal. This is when April fool's day runs out. No, he just stabs her through the gut with a javelin and he's like, yay, I did it. And I guess we're supposed to feel happy. We're supposed to feel some kind of way. But then we have this fucking house on sorority row acid freak out where he starts to see all the faces of all the people he's murdered. And and, and also from Maniac, the same thing happened in Maniac. Yes. Yes. Another Carol Monroe, Caroline Monroe movie. So like this is. Again, it's taking these elements you've seen in movies that premiered from 1980 to 1983, and it's happening in the far distant future of 1986 without any irony, without any improvement, without any introspection. They're just repeating these beats. And everyone appears like the Michael Jackson's thriller version of themselves, just kind of gray and green. And then Caroline Monroe... They put a wig on her that looks like Gossamer, the monster <laughs> from the Looney Tunes. It's in the shape of Gossamer on top of her head. And it's not commented on. It's just presented like this is the way you would see it. And they all go oogly boogly at him. Cut to mental institution. And a nurse comes in and says, Oh, Marty, you had surgery. You're waking up. They they fixed your face. Everything's going to be great. And then uh, a doctor's like, what? Ho there. Hi there. What's going on in there? There's a lot of screaming. And he comes in and there's a person like struggling with someone in bed. And that person turns around, the nurse turns around and it's Marty. (laughs) He like stabs a doctor in the eye with a needle and it makes this little like cork popping noise. Yeah. <laughs> it can, That's the way it sounds. Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, it reduces the, to the dramatic uh, element of it. I This movie's idea of drama is highly overrated. It just, so he murdered that nurse, hid the body, and then he's like, my, the way I'm going to get out of this is I'm going to dress like this nurse. And the only other time I've seen that is the fucking Dark Knight. So... Is the Dark Knight stealing from Slaughter High, Gina? <laughs> I don't get 
at Christopher Nolan as much of a slasher fan, so I'm going to say that's probably a, a, a coinky dink. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. When I, whenever I see him, the first question I'm going to have, hey, you, modern master of cinema, supposedly, <laughs> we've decided, I don't know. I don't know how it fucking Big, big Slaughter High fan, are you? I think I think you owe a little uh, apology to Slaughter High for stealing that nurse gag. Um, and then he goes over to the window, takes the bandage off. He's like, I got to rip this this half of my face off. That's like a it. shame because they did good work. He just looks normal again. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, I don't need to be normal. I need to have half my face missing. I, I need to pull a I, 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 I need to pull a real fan of the opera here. <laughs> I need to get in some French sewers, which isn't is a lot easier to do from England where he is and not Doddsville where it's supposed to be. So yeah, that's the movie, y'all. Um anything else that we didn't cover? I that is the entire movie. <laughs> I how the fuck did we talk about this? Just the two of us for an hour and a half. I I, I, I said to them, surely, surely we won't go more than an hour. Of this. That's the thing in my head. We're it's, this is fifty five minutes tops, and it just and yet here we are. So let's choose our own death venture where we decide of all the deaths in this motion picture. If we were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would we choose? Why? So we've got. Head impaled on a door hanger, crucified with by nails. Uh, stomach explodes from Pap's blue ribbon. Um, a get bunked by sword in a BMW. Boiling acid bath with skeleton face. Uh, grabbed by death hands from life-size photo. Uh, and where did he get that fucking photo? Did he go to Kinko's and go, listen, I know, don't be distracted by the fact I have half a face. Here's a photo of me inexplicably taken in high school. Please blow this up to life size. And you're like, we can do that. Um, chopped in half by a rioting mower. Uh, ex- electrocuted in mid-orgasm. Whether you're the guy, whether or not you're the girl, you're that's the way you're going. Uh, drowned in a coal shale pit. Uh, hatchet to the face from someone who's supposed to be your friend. Stabbed by a javelin. Or needle in the eye. Gina, you go first. Um, I mean, the hatchet to the face, you know, besides being quick, that 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 sound effect just cracks me up. It's a little, like, <laughs> crunch, like, mm, red delicious. Yes. Now, uh, it, it is a way to go, because a lot of these are very painful, right? Normally... I love a good get punked, but you're getting, you're getting stabbed right in the middle of the chest and then you're being posed on a wrought iron fence. There's a lot of movement going on there that I don't like. Uh, I definitely don't want to drown and I don't like eye stuff. So maybe electrocuted mid orgasm because you know, at least I'm insulted before it happens. At least my sexuality. I mean, do, do you want to be the, the insulter or the insultee? I feel like I, I feel like the part of me that enjoys humiliation wants the insulting. You know? Why? Why else did I get into podcasting? Because I like myself. Get the fuck out. Of here. Fair point. 
so Josh Hollis does all of our artwork. Um, go to Revenge Body Memphis at Bandcamp.com to get this theme and all of our remixes. Uh, bite size is what we're doing on our off week. We, we watch a, a segment for a horror anthology, but we don't watch the whole thing. We just watch either the best one or the worst one out of that movie. And you get to decide which one that is. Uh, we have a Patreon where you can hear all our bonus content, including bonus movies, chat by chat, where we're taking your questions and movie commentaries. We're going through the Friday the 13th franchise. Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about movies and television at the spool.net. Uh, I have a substack. It's Gina watches things.substack.com. And I am on Twitter in it's dying day still under <laughs> Gina does things. Do it today, people. Check it out. I've gotten to the point where I've started asking former guests for their emails because I'm pretty convinced that Twitter's going to go away and you're going to hear a lot of uh, guestless episodes in the future because 95% of our guests have come via Twitter. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Uh, we have not had a new review in a while. And I think we deserve a good review from you. Even if you've reviewed us before, review us again. What are they going to do? Say you're wrong. You're right. You're right in your good opinions about us being excellent. But that just about does it. Uh, Don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. For myself and for Gina. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.